0: We'll be over in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Last time we were looking at the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We looked at instances when it was used, and it is not always the, well, it is not called the sword of the Word. It is called the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. So it is not always the logos that we use when we use the sword. And so we looked at instances when that was used. One time Jesus did use the logos of God because the Spirit of God gave him the logos to speak. But other times we saw that he did not give him the logos to speak. He gave him a rhema word. He gave him a specific word and he used that. And so the sword of the Spirit is our uh, weapon against the enemy and we've got to make sure that we use it correctly and not just limit it to, to what we think it ought to be. Well, now we're going to get into all prayer and supplication. If you listen to the Rick Renner on this, Rick calls this The lance. Because he says the Roman soldiers had a bunch of different kinds of lances, and, uh, and uh, there's a lot of different kinds of prayer. And so this, he just uh, feels like Paul left that part out, calling this the lance. And maybe he's right, maybe he's not. I don't, I don't know, but it sure makes sense the way he was talking about different kinds of, of prayer that are on that. But in verse 3:17 uh, and 18 again, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So as we go out to battle, we take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying, no break here, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So the word here, all, is quite involved. It's not a single word. It's actually a phrase. A lot of times we cover this as being a single word, but this time it's actually a phrase of words. And we wrote the phrase of it in there for you. But the first part of this, the word en, is better translated or can be translated at. The word panti means every or each. It's kind of an all-incumbency word that uh, includes pretty much everything, all the way down to the smallest bit, the nitty-gritty. The most uh, smallest of details would be in, in there. Uh, one more word, the word katero which is the times and seasons, things of that nature. And so when you put it all together, it's probably more accurately translated, at each and every occasion. Mm -hmm. At each and every occasion. So praying always, praying at each and every occasion, with all prayer and supplication. So we're looking for occasions for prayer. We're looking at instances when prayer is being used, not just walking around praying. Jesus didn't walk around praying. He walked around ministering. And when He needed to, He prayed. And so at each and every occasion, we pray. So it's not always as in, well, I have to be praying every minute of every day. That's not what it's talking about here. Paul didn't do that. Paul told us at certain times what well, kind of things he prayed, but there are other times that he was talking with people, ministering to people, Making tents, other stuff like that. Hmm. But uh, fit that on in there. Praying at each and every occasion. When the occasion arises for prayer, pray with all prayer and supplication. And so you match the prayer with the occasion. Amen. You've got to match the prayer with the occasion. You can't just take whatever prayer you want to and use it then. That's the That's the role of someone who is unskilled in prayer. Now, we can take a lot of situations in life, and we would notice that there's a lot of specifics in the things that we deal with on a regular basis. But people who are not skilled in the different things that we take on don't understand the specifics. Brother Hagen, we used to teach on this verse, he used to tell us all prayers. He related it to sports. I never understood why he related it to sports, but he did. He doesn't really, never really struck me as a sports person, but that's what he would relate to. He said, you don't play basketball with baseball rules. You'll, you'll get all messed up. You, you can't do that. Each, each sport has its own rules that make that sport unique. But uh, uh, another way we could tone this in, now, you know, some of the things that I do uh, in, in the area of woodworking, I have a lot of specific tools for specific jobs. Most people would look at those and say, what is that for? And you wouldn't really understand what it's for, but it, I understand what it's for. And sometimes, you know, I haven't been able to do this for years, but I used to be able to go to some of the wood shows and I would just look at the different vendors and the things that they had. And I would get to, some of them would perk my interest and I would get them to talk to me about the tool that they had or the, whatever it was that they brought to the booth that they had there. And as they would begin to describe its use and its function, I would begin to think of it in light of what I did. And I begin to think of how can I use that specifically for what I do. Now, just breaking this down in places that you could realize it, a screwdriver can work as a hammer. (laughs) But a hammer works much better. And it's not a wear and tear on the hammer the way it is a wear and tear on the screwdriver or the person involved. If you try and use a screwdriver as a hammer, it tends to roll off of the whatever it is that you're you're hitting. It's not so good. You can use a screwdriver as a paint can opener. It does work. But a paint can opener works much better. You can use a screwdriver as a paint stirrer. But don't tell the owner of the tool that you did that. Because that's not going to go so, so well. No, there's, there's specific things. Now, even in the screwdriver, there's different types of uh, heads. There's, a, there's the standard head, the flat head. There's the Phillips head. and the Phillips head, there's a one, there's a two, and there's a three. If you try and use a three Phillips on a one Phillips screw, you're going to have all kinds of trouble. It's not going to work. And then they have square, and you can use a square. There's a one square, there's a two square, there's a three square. You try and use a two square into a three square hole, and it'll work a little bit, but it won't quite do the job. Then there's a star bit. Then there is a hex bit. And, and they have a lot of different ones. Now, I don't understand all of them. I, I, I like the square. If it were up to me, everything would be square. Get rid of the star. Get rid of the Phillips. Get rid of the slotted. I don't want any of those. I only want square bit stuff. So I buy all square bit stuff. Every once in a while, you run into some people or some situations where you have to use this. Deck screws. Deck screws used to always be square bits. Always oh, wonderful. And then someone got the idea to change it to stars. They're not as good. Uh, I don't know why they did it, but they're not as good. Squares works work a whole lot better. But but uh, specifics. There's a specific thing. If you get into the area of sewing, there are specific things for that. Specific needles, specific threads, specific machines, specific material. And they're all used. Now, you think somebody who's an amateur like me, I don't know the difference between one needle and another needle. <laughs> And it wouldn't make all that much difference to me, but someone who says, oh, I I know what this needle is supposed to do and look at how they did that. Oh, that would work just great. And they would see that and they would understand the application of it. Whatever it is that we have, whatever specifics we get into, the right tool understood by a skilled person can be used effectively. Thank God for the medical profession and all the tools that are available to them but put those mighty tools in the hands of mere amateurs. <laughs> and boy, we can wreak all kinds of havoc there. We can just mess up all kinds of people. Giving them the wrong drugs, wrong drug interactions, you know, zapping people who shouldn't be. And it just it wouldn't be pretty. <laughs> so, it's the same thing here with prayer. Praying always, whatever the situation is, praying always, let the prayer be adapted to the situation at hand. In order for that to be accomplished, we've got to know the different types of prayers that are there. And be able to apply them in that spot. There's nothing worse than using the wrong kind of prayer in the wrong kind of situation. And Christians do it all the time. And you sit there and you listen to them and say, why are you praying that way? This does not call for that kind of prayer here. This calls for a different kind and it'll be totally ineffective. But, you know, maybe somehow, something good might happen and they blame it on it. You know, you can use a screwdriver to hammer a nail and get that thing to go in and tell everybody from that point on, screwdrivers are good hammers. You would be wrong, but you would do it based on your experience. But that's not what we should do. So, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We're not going to get all the way through that verse. We're just going to cover really the first part of it. Some of the other verses that talk about different kinds of prayer in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 1. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Philippians 4 and verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. So here in these verses of Scripture, we have four different types of prayers that are listed. Prayer, supplication, intercessions, and giving of thanks. Now, this is what the Scripture teaches us. This is what the Scripture gives us. And you give this out to most Christians, and they have absolutely no idea what to do. Prayer, supplication, intercession. I don't know if I'm supposed to supplicate, intercede, pray, give thanks, because we just don't know. And so once again, just like we've done with all the other pieces of armor, we need to go back into Scripture and actually compare it. And so i broke this down into different kinds of prayer because that's actually what the Scripture is saying, different kinds of prayer, different manner of prayer. And I, I, I had one put, to put in here and I left one out, so I had to give you an extra one. <laughs> but here we know this one really where, the prayer of faith. Now see, if I say the prayer of faith, you can put a picture on that. You can put a metal picture on the prayer of faith but now we got to think of where is the prayer of faith to be used because the prayer of faith is a good tool but it's not used everywhere you know in my shop I have some tools that are favorites I like those tools better than some other tools but it doesn't mean that that tool is always the best one to use there are some applications where that tool is not the best not the best tool to use there's something else that's better so even though I may like using a particular tool, I have to go over and use something else. One of the things that used, I used to have the most fun with in the shop was uh, air tools. Love air tools. I like the air, the Brad nailers, and the staplers, the air ones, because all you do, you know, you, ain't, you line it up and you go and kachuk, and it just goes right in. I just love that sound, Katook. It just shoots it right in there. Oh, man, I could do that all day. I could just nail stuff. Because <laughs> it's just it's hysterically fun. You know, just pump that thing up. No effort at all. Just aim and ka It goes right in. Takes care of the thing. But I haven't been able to use it. They've been sitting up on my shelf for a long time, gathering dust, dust. And so my neighbor came on over. He needed to have something done. And so he said, can we do this? Oh, yeah, yeah, we can do that. And we found, I found opportunity. Because, you know, you look for opportunity to use the things that you want to do. I found an opportunity to use the brad nailer. I said, oh, we could just brad nail this together. Oh, yeah, that would work out great. So, <laughs> ka-chook, ka-chook. <laughs> just zip right along there. And we took all those things and we just brad nailed them with some glue and some dados and other stuff like that. And so we had all kinds of fun just putting them on in there. But, you know, I can't use that every place. It doesn't work everywhere in the, in the stuff I do. And with the bunk beds, it doesn't work at all. I can't use it at all for the bunk beds. Not, no, no brad nailer at all. It just sits up there and does nothing. But, you know, we have certain kinds of prayers, and we like them. A lot of people like the prayer of faith, and it's just like the brad nailer. You want to go around and brad nail everything. We cannot use the prayer of faith on every situation. There are many situations that this is the wrong tool. So we need to discern the occasion. We need to discern the, the, the opportunity that is there. And is this a time for the prayer of faith, or is it not? In James chapter 5 and verse 15, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. In James chapter 1 verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So the prayer of faith is a prayer that we are to make, and we've talked about this quite a bit on Sunday morning, but a prayer that we are to make in which we know the will of God, And we pray or speak the will of God. The prayer of faith for me would encompass prayers that we make in faith to God and prayers that we, or not necessarily prayers, but things that we speak to situations. If I speak to sickness and disease, it has to go. I would put this under the prayer of faith. That when I walk into a situation and I determine what's going on, can I use the prayer of faith in this? Maybe this is one of my favorite tools, but is it going to work here? Is this an application where we can, we can go? We saw that Jesus used the prayer of faith. We saw that people came up to him, the woman with the issue of blood. She's speaking faith, speaking faith, speaking faith. And when she hit it with her situation, saw the opportunity, it worked for her. It opens some things. But the prayer of faith is going to be prayed. And I didn't have room to put this in your outline. You can write this down there if you want to. The prayer of faith is prayed when we know the will of God. When the will of God is known, the prayer of faith works. But I've got to know the will of God. If I do not know the will of God, I cannot use the prayer of faith. It would be another type of prayer, but it would not be the the prayer of faith. Now, there are situations in which I may not know the will of God. I'm not always going to be in a situation where I know the will of God. But if I am in a situation and I know the will of God for this situation, then I can pray it. If, I, if it's a situation for myself, certainly I should be able to know the will of God for me. If it's a situation for someone else, I may not be able to know the will of God. I may, but I may not be able to know the will of God for someone else. There are times that God will not disclose certain things to me about someone else. God is not a gossiper. He does not need to spread anything about anybody else. And so there are some things that he may be dealing with that other individual on. And I don't know what's going on. But but God does. Now let's go back over to Ephesians. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. How? In the Spirit. Remember, the, the sword is of the Spirit. It's not of the Son, it's not of the Word, it's of the Spirit. We said before, the Son is usually associated with the Word. The Spirit with the rhema, the spoken Word of God. The Son with the written Word of God. The Spirit with the spoken Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. One of the ingredients we have to have is to be in the Spirit. When I am in the Spirit, the Spirit of God will disclose to me, yes, no. If I'm going to step on out and begin to pray in a situation, and begin to pray this prayer of faith, uh, it's in the Spirit. It's by the Spirit. The Spirit of God may come up and say, no. may just say, hold up. I may just just get that feeling down the inside, that that, uh, sense from the Spirit. No, don't, not yet, no. You don't have all the facts yet. You don't know the will of God on this. And so then I pull up. I'm not sure what's up on this thing. I'm not sure what's going on here. And then sometimes if that happens, Brother Hagen would tell us stories where people would come up to the front for prayer. I know he would be going in and and lead in with the prayer of faith on that, but down in the spirit, something would come up, and so he would engage, engage them in conversation and talk to them. And before long, they would let something come out that would let him know there was a problem. There, something was not quite lined up here. And this was not a situation for the prayer of faith. We had to first either get this person into the into the right spot. Uh, but so, right now the prayer of faith was not going to work. And so he would talk to them and find that out. But he had to be listening to the Spirit because it's the praying in the Spirit. Prayer and supplication in the Spirit. The Spirit's involved. It's not my head that's involved. It's the Spirit that's involved. So the Spirit of God will come up on the inside of me and even though this looks like the same situation, it's different. There's something different about this. There's something that's, that's not right. Something that's a, a, little, a little bit off. And we've we got to go with the, the Spirit on it. Because it's the Spirit who knows. He's the expert. He's the one who knows all the things that are going on with, with that. He, he is he's the final expert on this stuff. Because how many of we have all, we've all been involved in things where we don't know what we're doing? <laughs> and we, we don't know what we're doing. And we don't know what we're doing. What do we do? Find somebody who knows what they're doing on this thing. We've got to find someone else that we're doing. I had to be over at Home Depot over here today. We had to cut some, uh, get some wood cut, just some little pieces of stuff for some drawers and, and things like that. It was all out of that sort of stuff. So I went on over there and I put them onto a cart. And I went to the back and there was no one on the saw. Now I could do the saw but they kind of frown upon Kind of frown upon that sort of thing. So so we, So I went all the way back up to the pro desk and talked to my buddies up at the pro desk, Hey, we need somebody back on the saw. So he was going to send somebody on back. And so I went on back and there was already an older couple that was there and they had this board and they were turning I was watching them because I moved my stuff up and they were over there they were first in line if I got somebody they would cut their stuff up first and then we'd go on to my stuff but they weren't there and they really didn't seem like they knew what they were doing as far as getting anybody so I went on up to get somebody and I came on back and said I got somebody they're going to be coming on up here in a little bit I said what are you doing with that because you know I figured if I worked out all this stuff then when somebody came to cut they would just cut it (laughs) And they wouldn't have to figure all this stuff out because I, I, I wouldn't have to wait that long. <laughs> wouldn't wait. I wouldn't have to wait that long. So this is good. And so, that, I mean, they were turning it all kinds of ways and stuff. I said, what is it Did you want to do with this? And so it was the, the, the wife was talking and the husband just kind of sat there and he kind of smiled a little bit. And he didn't say a whole lot. <laughs> they were really cute. They were really fun. And so she was trying to explain to me. She had drawn out the plans of what they were going to do. And um, and they said, we want you to get a board that's 42 inches and another board that's 38 inches. And I went over because I know where they kept them. And I got the tape measure and I measured, you don't have enough room here. You've got 72 inches on this board. You're not going to get 38 and 42. Oh, I thought I counted this up. And, and then she started talking to her husband. I wish you knew how to do this sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> then I wouldn't have to do it. <laughs> so no, they were just having some some fun with each other. So um, I said, well, exactly. What are you trying to make with this? Well, we're just doing some shelves on a workbench. Now the piece they had gotten was a very nice piece of laminate. What well, they call it, laminated pine. And they take the pine pieces and they uh, uh, join them together. So there's a lot of uh, three and four inch pine pieces that are all joined together to make a wider board. Well, that costs more money to do it that way. And, it's, and they said, well, it was like ten or ten or eleven bucks for the board. I looked at that and I said, boy, if you can get that for 10 or 11 bucks, I said, that's a good deal. I might even make a workbench out of that. But I said, um, that's, uh, this material over here is going to work out better for you. But I, And so we got the other material and we were able to, to uh, get two of those pieces and we had them all lined up where they were supposed to cut them down to. And I said, let's go and put this one on back. And I'm just going to check the price and make sure. We took it on back. No, it was a $25 and some cents board. They needed two of them. They would have been to spend it over 50 bucks. So we had it all laid out and... Still, no one had come after doing all this. So I went back up to the pro desk. I got somebody else, my other buddy, because the other one was, was busy. And I said, we don't have anybody. He says, well, I'll go on back and cut it for you. I said, okay, well, we got somebody else over there right now. I said, we got it all lined up. We got to do. And so, we, so he wasn't even dealing with them. He was dealing with me from this point on. And I was telling him, all right, we need this board this way, this this way, and then this one, this one, and this one. And so we just cut it up, and they just stood there. And we put it all into the cart for them and we sent them off on their way and then I could get my board's cut. <laughs> but you see, when you deal with something, I, I deal with wood all the time. And so certainly that was an area that I could help them out on and offer some expertise and give them something that's a little bit better than what they were going to get for the thing, find something that's a little bit better application, save them some money and stuff. So the Spirit of God, He's the, uh, He's the expert on it. and And these folks... All they needed to know was, do you, you know about the, what, what do we need? They were so open, what do we need? You tell, you tell us what we need, we'll just get that. <laughs> I went over and we got it for them and we just sent them off on their way and they were happy for that. Well, that's the kind of attitude we have to have with the Holy Spirit. He's the expert. He is the expert. We just got to say, Holy Spirit, what's going on? We got to stay in line with the Holy Spirit while we're praying. Because too often we pray with our head. We look at the situation. We evaluate it. Oh, I can, pray, I can pray the prayer of faith here. Maybe not. Again, you've got to discern the occasion. What's going on in this particular occasion? Because in this particular occasion, it may not be a prayer of faith that you need to be involved with, but sometimes you may lead with that, but you're always listening. You're always sensitive. Now, the Holy Spirit's telling me, I'm feeling something in the Spirit. Something isn't right on this thing. And, they, and you begin to talk. You know, sometimes the Spirit, if you're sensitive enough or you've, you've worked in this, He may just tell you, no, fix this thing over here. Do, do it that way. When the people lowered the, the lame man down, mm-hmm. our head would say, rise and walk. But Jesus, listening to the Spirit, said, your sins are forgiven. Sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Not quite sure why we would do that. It doesn't seem to make sense here. But Jesus knew that's what needed to be done because the spirit he's listened to the Spirit. He's praying that the, the prayer that the, the Spirit has. So there is the prayer of, of faith. This is the prayer when we know what the will of God is for that situation. I already know it. I already know it. And I, and you pray the prayer of faith, not only knowing what the will of God is, but knowing that the door is open. you got to know that the door is open. Jesus knew the will of God for Israel was to be healed. But when he came to Capernaum, he could do there no mighty work because of their unbelief. So he went about, around their villages teaching and admonishing. And he sent his disciples out two by two that maybe they could minister to some more. So he knew what the will of God was for the situation, but he could not pray the will of God there because of their unbelief. There was something that they were missing out on. And so you had to, you got to listen. you got to be sensitive. you got to know what's going on. The prayer of faith is a fantastic tool. But use it in the wrong place, and it won't help you. Well, the next one is the prayer of petition. The prayer of petition. This is when you pray something and, and you are petitioning God on this thing. All right, I, I know what the will of God is on this, but not quite sure we can apply that in here. I know what God desires, but I'm not quite sure if this is the place where it can go. Now, i got two examples Paul we're going to get into later on. But Abraham, remember Abraham? Over at, uh, talking about um, Sodom? When Jesus came down with with the angels, and he says to the angels, shall I withhold from Abraham what I'm going to do, seeing as he will become great? And so he shared with Abraham what he was going to do. And what does Abraham do? He does not get down. He does not intercede. He does not intercede for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. He throws out a petition. Would you destroy the city if there were 50 righteous people? Jesus considers his petition. Because up till now, Jesus is going down to destroy the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. So the petition is, would you destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if there are 50 righteous people? And Jesus says, Alright, no. I won't destroy it. If I find 50 righteous people there, I will not destroy the city. right, what happens if you're missing 5 and 10 and all these different things? He's throwing a petition out to see will will this be okay? Will this work? Now we got another one we're going to cover here, but not towards, not until the end, because that um, encompasses more. But this is where I know what the will of God is. I know God does not wish to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, mm-hmm. but there is judgment that is coming because of the works of Sodom and Gomorrah. So let me throw out this petition for this. I know this is your will. I know you'd prefer not to, but this is what you're doing. What if this? In a prayer petition, we're dealing with no one but Jesus. We're praying to the Father and the Son, would you do this? Would the will of God be accomplished if we do this? If we go in, in this way? Well, very similar to this, but not necessarily quite as specific, I'm not throwing out a specific plan. Would be the prayer of inquiry. I don't, I don't have a plan to throw out. So I'm not petitioning on God on anything. I'm merely saying, I'm inquiring. Jesus in the garden, Lord, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. He's not throwing out a petition because there's no specifics to it. It's just an inquiry. If it's possible, if there's another way, I don't know what that way is, but if there's another way, can we do it that way? If not, I'll go ahead and do it this way. It's an inquiry. Paul on the missionary journeys. He was going to go into this area. I'm going to go over to, to here, to Asia, in, the, in, in this part. And he was going that way, and the Spirit of God said, no, don't go there. Hmm. All right, well, then we'll have a go. No, don't go there. And so he's, at some point, he's inquiring. Where do we go? We can't go there. We can't go here. Where do we go? And he had the dream, the the vision. Of the man. Turned out to be the area of Philippi. Beckoning. Come on over here. Come on over here. Well, he's inquiring. Not, all right, I, to, I I wanted. saw over here. I saw a possibility over here. But that's not... So, where, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? There's inquiry. I don't know what the will of God is. Can't pray the prayer of faith. I don't know what the will of God is. It seemed like this was the best option, the next best thing to do. But I'm not quite sure. Because it, it seems to be, you're telling me no. So where is the next best place? It's a prayer of inquiry. There are times that we don't know what's going on. We were ready to take the next step. This seems to be the next place. But all of a sudden, the Spirit says, no, that's not it. And we're listening because we're praying in the Spirit. I'm listening. Not sure that, okay, this isn't it. So I don't really have any any petitions to throw out. If I did, I would say, all right, well, heaven, we go over here? How do you like that one? And Jesus says, nope. All right, how about if we go over here? Nope. All right, how about if we go over here? I'm petitioning. But there are times I don't have that. There are times that I don't. I have no idea what's going on. I, if you don't want me to go there, I don't know what we're doing. you got to tell me. you got to lead me on this one. Which way are we going? What are we going to do? So there are times that people came and specifically put laid out things before God. How about if this? How about if we go here? here and do this? What about this way? And God says, yeah, go ahead and do it. David would encompass this prayer many times. The prayer of petition. Where he would say, shall I go out? Go out. Go ahead. When his uh, wives and children were taken, what does he do? Shall we pursue? (laughs) I'm ready to pursue. Shall we pursue? What's what's, uh, God say? Go ahead and pursue. Go ahead and do it. I've got a direction. I'm just checking it out. Shall I shall I do this? I'm petitioning him. Shall I do this? I not I can't pray the prayer of faith because I don't know that I can do this. I am proposing it. Shall I do this? But then there's other times when I don't know. I go I don't have anything out there to petition. I just say, Father God, I am not sure which way to go with on this. Can you help? Can you give me direction on this? Help me out on that. And I make the prayer of inquiry. There's no faith involved there, too. I don't know the will of God yet. It's a prayer of inquiry. Well, then there's the prayer of intercession. This is one we're familiar with. A prayer of intercession. Now, I I forgot to interject the uh, right one here. The Scripture we have is, is more of the next kind of prayer than this one. The prayer of intercession is when there is a gap. Intercession bridges a gap between one and the other. So, the prayer of intercession is when there is a rift between God and the other person. And I stand in the middle of that rift as the intercessor. Jesus is our intercessor. He stands as God and man between God and man. He's the intercessor. He's the one who stands in between for us. And so he, we, we take advantage of that ministry, but there's times that I need to be the intercessor, and I find people that there's a gap between them and God. The parable that Jesus tells on this is when the neighbor has the uh, friend who comes... Then there's no bread. And so he goes over to his neighbor because the neighbor has bread and he doesn't. And he knocks on the door and he asks for bread for not for himself but for another. That's intercession. That's intercession. Jesus is the bread of life. You come to Him, He's always got bread. There's always bread there. That's the prayer of intercession. That's the scripture I meant to have there for you. So under the prayer of intercession, that's the one that we, we should have had there. So you can kind of just insert that whole thing between C and D, and then we'll get into the D here in a minute. But uh, just insert that whole thing. The prayer of intercession would be, when I am praying for one who is lost, when I am praying for one who is backslidden, when I'm praying for one and there is a gulf between them and God, intercession bridges that, that mode. Uh, unsaved certainly are in there. Unsaved and backslidden people. When I'm standing and praying for them, this is the prayer. Intercession has certain rules to it. I can't pray for certain things. I cannot intercede that people's finances would come around. They're not with God and God's word has said, you don't follow after me? This is the kind of stuff that will happen. When they have enemies that are coming and persecuting them. I cannot pray that away. I cannot intercede on that behalf because God said in His Word these things will happen when you, the enemy will come and he will attack. They will go on. So I have to know that when I'm in intercession there's certain things I can pray for and certain things that I cannot. And me all remember that book uh, we had as a book of the month way back when we were doing those um, uh, was it Norval Hayes? who did it and he's praying for his daughter and he got the help of the Spirit. The Spirit of God helped him pray and that was the Father God. He said, just shake her up. Shake her up. And he'd come into her room and he'd pray and shake her up. And one night an angel appeared and shook her up. (laughs) Boy, she was shook up. She got so shook up. She came on in and repented and and got right. Well, see, the Spirit of God will help you to pray what you need to pray for that. But you're interceding for the lost. There are certain things you cannot pray for. Certain things you cannot ask for. you got to know what that is because I'm in intercession. Some people call things intercession that are not. And that's our next type of prayer. The prayer of supplication. Supplication is like intercession. I've always heard it called a supplication. And that's why I call it that. Brother Hagen used to always teach us that way and that... That's a, but sometimes supplication is used in the Word of God where it may not necessarily be that type of prayer. But the prayer of intercession is for the lost or the backslidden. The prayer of supplication is for the believer. Now, we have examples of this going on in the Word of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 1, Paul prays supplicating prayers for the saints. For the saints. He, he listed in there what he prayed for for those saints. You can't make those prayers for unsaved people. But you can make them for saved people. There are prayers of growth, spiritual understanding, enlightenment, power. Those are those kind of prayers were. And he prayed those. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31, here's one that almost gets in the gap of those. Supplication and intercession. But I still put this on the supplication side. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, he's not lost, is he? He's not backslidden. And he apparently is going to go in a direction where he will be led off astray for a bit, but he'll come back. So, Jesus is seeing this attack coming and making prayer ahead of time. Now, look at this. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. How does he know that? The Holy Spirit has shown him, as he is praying for him, and there are other disciples, the Spirit of God is showing them Satan is he's looking to do this. He wants to sift this guy. He wants to get him out of the picture. But Jesus, I prayed for you. And that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. This is just two simple verses on this. But do you not get the sense? Do you not get the idea that Jesus has in his mind that if he had not prayed, Simon may have been lost? I get that idea. If Jesus had not prayed, Simon would have been lost. Boy, what a loss that would have been for the kingdom of God, wouldn't it? I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, sometimes we would come up to that and we would misread the opportunity. And we might mix in the prayer of faith. I know what the will of God is in this situation. The will of God is that Peter would not have not go this way. The will of God is that the enemy would not attack. The The enemy cannot get through. And I would make a prayer along those things. But Jesus didn't do it. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, not that it would fail and come back. That your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Hmm. That's pretty much about one too, isn't it? He saw what to pray in the Spirit, and he prayed it. And there was success. The Spirit of God will lead you in these things. The prayer of intercession, the prayer of supplication. You supplicate for saints, you intercede for the lost and the backslidden. So if I'm going to be praying for people that are born again, I'm making supplication. I'm not making the prayer of faith. I'm not making the prayer of inquiry. I'm making the prayer of supplication. And Paul listed them. You want to go back to Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Colossians 1. There's three prayers there of supplications for the saints. Those are all things that obviously follow the rules. You can do those. You can pray that way for them. Jesus, in John chapter 17... I'm not going to read all this. This, You can go back there and read it yourself. He is praying. He even says specifically, I'm not praying for those you didn't give me. I'm praying for those that you have given me. It's a specific prayer. He is defining very very carefully for us. There is the lost and the backslidden, and there is the believers. He says, I'm not praying for the lost ones. I'm not praying for the ones that have wandered off. I'm praying for those that you've given me. This is the prayer I'm praying for them. He is really specific in that. It's a good chapter to go on home and read as you meditate on this just from the different types of prayers. John chapter 17. It's a long chapter. It's a long prayer, but it's a good one. In Acts chapter 16, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Well, this is the prayer. The next two are real similar. Real easy to get them mixed up. I'm making a distinction here because I think there is a, a, a bit of a distinction. But the prayer of praise and worship and the prayer of thanksgiving. The prayer of praise and worship and the prayer of thanksgiving. The prayer of uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Go back over to Acts But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, here you're going to see really a bit of the both, thanksgiving and praying and worship. I put this both under the prayer of thanksgiving. Because what is their mentality at this point? They're in the prison. They've been beaten. They're praying. If they just said, we're praying, we'd be saying, Oh, Lord, oh, please deliver us. Oh, Lord. They're not doing that, are they? They're singing hymns to God. So if they're praying, they're probably, Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Look, we're going to accomplish some things in here. We're going to move some things in this, in this place. And they're seeing the vision. Paul at this point is seeing the vision of what happens because they beat him. And when they come and get him the next day and bring him on out, what's he do? Hmm. You guys are in trouble. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. When they, made, when they walk in this way, power came. Power came. There was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison didn't say anything else. But the foundations of the prison were shaken. Maybe everything else was too, but we know that the prison was. And immediately, all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. Generally, earthquakes don't open chains. They may open doors, but they don't usually open chains. So this was something supernatural. And it, it came about because instead of griping and moaning and complaining, in the prison, in the middle of that prison, because the, the the guy in charge of the prison would say, you, your life for theirs, if they're not here. And so he put them in the very inner part, the darkest, deepest part of the prison. He's going to make sure they don't get out. And so they're in the darkest, deepest, muckiest terrible part of the the prison. And here they are praising and giving thanks, praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. They weren't just sitting there in, in there griping. Prayer of thanksgiving. Hebrews 13 again. Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. We are to continually do it. When we face opposition when we face tests and trials and out of our mouth comes thanksgiving. It is a prayer to God. What we're saying is, glory to God. Things are good. God is just moving. Hallelujah, glory to God. But see, most people don't do that. They get into the gripe and murmuring and, and complaining. The Israelites, when they're wandering through the wilderness, did they reach a spot with no water and say, glory to God. Glory to God, oh, just wait and see what the miracle of the Lord is here. When they got to a place and there's no food and they're hungry, that glory to God, you can't wait to see what God's going to do. I saw what He did back over there at the, at the Red Sea. Oh, I can't wait to see what He's going to do. No, they didn't do that, did they? If they did, they would have opened the door up for God to do even greater things than He did. But they didn't. They didn't walk in that way. The prayer of praise and worship, Ephesians 5, verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The prayer of praise and worship is when we are singing, making melody in our heart and praising unto God. The prayer of thanksgiving is when I am with my song or with my voice giving thanks to God. Specifically giving thanks to God. Praise and worship is when I am praising and worshiping giving Him praise for who He is, worshiping Him for who He is. It's slightly different. And there are times when it's Thanksgiving and there are times when it's praise and worship. And by the occasion and by the Spirit, you'll know which is which. And you may sometimes mix them up. As Paul and Silas were doing. Mixing some praise and worship with some prayers of Thanksgiving. That's okay. But don't get any of those prayers of grumbling and complaining. Because people do that. It's not on the list here. But people will do that. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Sounds real similar, doesn't it? And whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So there again we see praise and worship and thanks. We can do both at the same time make sure you bring them in now going over to acts chapter twenty eight we're gonna take a look at the these prayers in action i'm sorry I, verse twenty seven your your outline should be twenty seven and twenty eight not 28 and 29, because you'll have a hard time finding one of those <laughs> yeah have a little tough time finding that one but first uh verse one of chapter twenty seven and when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some of the other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustine regi- reg- Regiment. So entering a ship of Adram- Dramatium, we put the sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day we landed at Sidon. And Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. When we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. When we had sailed over the sea, which is off Cilicia and Pomphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy and he put us on board. And when he had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off Snitus and the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salome. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lacia. Now, when much time had been spent, because they were going slower on some of these spots than they anticipated going, and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men... I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of cargo and ship, but also our lives. Now, how does he perceive this? It's down to the Holy Spirit. Paul is on this this journey because he was told by God that he was going to testify before Caesar. And so he appealed to Caesar. And later on, some people even questioned that. Why did he do that? He'd be a free man right now if he hadn't done that. Because he was supposed to testify before Caesar about the things of God. And so he's going to do it. And other people are going to pay for the trip. <laughs> so he's heading on over there. And as he's praying about this, you know, heading on over there. And he's, you know, boy, it's taking a long time. We're getting kind of, kind of long. And down in his spirit, the Spirit of God came up and says, well, yeah, it's taking longer than they, they should have for this. He's perceiving, stay here. Don't go further. Now, Paul, it's not Paul's choice. He's a prisoner. It's not Paul's choice. But he has that perception. And so he shares it with them. I perceive, he says, men, I perceive that this voyage, one with disaster and much loss, not only of a cargo and ship, but also our lives. This is his perception. He's picking up in the spirit that something isn't right. This isn't good. This isn't a good place to go. Now, it's, it's not a place of faith. For, it's for the prayer of faith. It's not a place to stand up in the prayer of faith and say, I rebuke those storms. No. The Spirit of God has given you warning that they're coming. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. Well, he's a prisoner. <laughs> and because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. So that for whatever reason, I don't, I'm not a, a sailor, for whatever reason, this harbor was not a place that you want to winter in. I don't know, but it would seem like that it, because of the way it ended up, it probably would have been better to have wintered in a non-wintering harbor than to have gone on. But they made that decision. Now, Paul didn't have a choice. He shared with them. He did not have a word from God. He had a perception. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out the sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called and even have a name for these things euroclidon so when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind we let her drive and running under the shelter of an island called clauda we secured the skiff with difficulty when they had taken it on board they used cables to undergird the ship and fearing lest they should run aground on the on the surtis sands imagine using cables to shore up the bottom of the ship so it don't break up on you unless they should run aground on the surly sands. They, they struck sail, and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day, we th- we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, imagine that. No sun and no stars doesn't mean that, you know, they can't tell it's day and night. Even when the sun comes up, and there's dark clouds in the sky. You can still kind of tell this is daytime and you know that clouds are, are stopping it. So you could probably still tell it was day and night but you could not see the sun, moon or stars for days and you're out in the ocean. And no small tempest beat on us. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Now he says here right this all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Does that possibly include Paul? He doesn't preclude himself from it. They were all battling these things. Paul's even saying, you know, I'm one of the ones helping throw this stuff over. And what they're throwing over is stuff that's supposed to help them stay alive out there. And they threw that over and they're still not any better. And they don't have stuff that they need to stay alive out on the water. And they got this thing beating on them. But after a long abstinence from food... Now, there could be a lot of reasons for that. One, could be seasick and can't eat, or all the food was already thrown overboard. Whatever way it is, they hadn't eaten in a long time. And you're fighting this battle on the sea and no food. Now, after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Now look at this that it is said. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul which would mean that there was reason for fear to be building up inside of Paul. Whether he had totally given over to it or not, whether he had been resistant to it, he, the angel still came in and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. So whatever's going on in the situation, it was not of such that Paul knew he'd be spared. So this is the angel's words. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. You must be brought before Caesar. That means I'm getting getting out of this. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. The people that are sailing with Him, are they saved or unsaved? But what He did here is not intercession. What prayer did He pray? He prayed a petition before God. Father God, I want the men that are on this boat with me. And it, 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 he Did he throw out something specific? Because look what the angel says. God has granted you. That means he asked for it, right? God has granted you all those who sail with you. So he's throwing out a petition before God. God, alright. I know that you want me before, before Caesar. But I'm asking you for all these men. Every one of them. That they stay alive now before he said I perceived that this voyage will end in great loss of cargo and lives that's his perception but now he's got and that, that could have been the way that it went but he put a petition out he says I'm asking for every one of them he is asking something I don't know that this is the will of God but I'm asking for it I'm making petition for every one of these here. And the angel came and says, God gave it to you. God granted it for you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now, so far, everything this guy said has been right. They've got no hope. They've all thought they were dead. And now he's saying that an angel showed up and told him this. We all think we're dead anyway. Why not give it a shot? We must run aground on a certain island. Now when the fourteenth night had come, as we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. They got that sense about them. And they took soundings and found it to be twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little farther, they took soundings again and found it to be fifteen fathoms. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped... Four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. <laughs> see, says at nighttime, you can still tell it's day. You can't see the sun, but you can still tell it's day. At nighttime, there's no light at all, there's no stars getting through. It was pitch black. They could not tell that they were coming towards land, they couldn't see it. That's why they did the soundings. But when they, they said, let's just hold it up here until we can see something, get some light penetrating through the clouds be gray but we can at least see something and then we can go on further and as the soldiers were seeking to escape from the ship when they had let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow <laughs> they under pretense yeah, we'll just get into this thing and we'll go on over there ourselves Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers unless these men stay in the ship you cannot be saved now Paul's life is already granted you must appear before me before Caesar. But he asked for these folks. No one else in the, board, in the ship did that. He asked for it. So he says, if they go, you're all dead. I wouldn't let them go if I was you. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall. <laughs> they got no way off now. They're listening. And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, so there must have been some food on there, Today is the 14th day you have waited continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take, some, take nourishment, for this is, this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the, your head, any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. Would you be in a place where you can give thanks to God? 14 days battling this thing? But well, that's what it was appropriate to do. Give thanks to God. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. And they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, we were 226 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea. So they cut them. They didn't try and bring them back up. They just cut them. Meanwhile, losing the rudder ropes, they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made, it made for shore. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. Well, you get a boat stuck on the land and the waves are beating it, 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 it won't hold together very long. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. And what was Paul saying? Every man he asked for. That meant the prisoners. But the centurion wanted to save Paul, kept them from their purpose, and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. Now see, he had the prayer of petition in there. I'm sure he had the prayer of inquiry going on at times too because he didn't know what was going on. And the Spirit of God answered him, you will appear before Caesar. All right, we got that out of the way. What about this other thing I asked for? You will have all the men in the ship. They're yours. Now, when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta, and the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw so no harm come to him, they changed their mind and said he was a god. <laughs> well, another you know, story goes on. It's always a, the rest of it's all a good story to, to read. But... He didn't have to inquire about, well, God, I just got bit by a snake. Should I, uh, I might die. What did God say to him? You will appear before Caesar. That means the sea cannot get in the way, nor can a viper. So he just shook it off. He had faith in what God had said to him. You see, when God speaks to us in prayer, we need to have faith in the thing that he says. And not let a new situation that came up throw us. Paul didn't do that. He had faith to overcome the sea and he prayed about that and the angel came and ministered to him. Nothing was mentioned about the viper. He, We don't even see that Paul deals with the viper. He doesn't rebuke the viper. doesn't rebuke the poison that we hear. He just shakes it off and goes about stuff. If he had rebuked it openly, wouldn't the uh, natives have heard that? They don't say anything about it at all. He just, uh, well, you can't get in the way of me getting to Caesar either and shake it off. When you pray and make inquiry to God and God answers, do not doubt what he answers you. Do not doubt it. You need to live your life as if that thing is true. And so. And don't you don't you don't you let any question come in. Don't you think, well, I can't get this. Done. No. Did he say it? You will appear before me before Caesar. You're going to do that for me. Yes sir. That means whatever you face in the way, I'm going to stop you. We don't have to go around, Oh God, I just got a viper just bit me. I might die. God will say what I say. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. See, when we pray, make sure that the occasion fits it. When he ran ran into this occasion and the viper bit him, was it an occasion for the prayer of faith? He needed to make no prayer about it because... It was done. I will make it to Caesar. We will get there. He just shook it off. We know of nothing else from the Word of God except that he shook it off and went about doing whatever else he was doing. Didn't mess with it at all. Have faith in what God tells you. If you make the prayer of inquiry, what he tells you, have faith in it. Once he makes known to you Now you have faith for that thing. The prayer of inquiry is when you don't know the will of God. Once it comes, now I know the will of God. Now I need to walk in faith. I may not have to pray something in faith, but I need to walk in faith. Every occasion demands a certain thing. Some requires action. Some requires no action, as with the viper. What is it that's going on? But but develop the skills. Develop the skills that are necessary. So that when you are faced with that thing, I know exactly what to do here. I know I know the tools that I have. And I know exactly what will do this one. And you go and you get it. Because God has equipped you with all prayer and supplication in the saints. All prayer and supplication in the Spirit. I'm sorry. All, all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. That's what He's made known for you what He's given to you. It's yours. Now learn how to use it. Learn how to use it. Don't just use it. Learn how to use it. Learn how. And every opportunity will give you a, a place to learn how to use that better. How to become more adept at using that particular tool that God has given us to accomplish what you need, need to in prayer. To accomplish what we need to, in supplication, in intercession, in giving of thanks, He's going to help you with it. But it's by the Spirit again. The Spirit's involved. He's going to come and He's going to tell you some things. Sometimes it's just going to be a perception. Sometimes you're going to know. A perception. You deal with as it is. When the word comes, and it's more specific, you throw out the perception. I perceive that this voyage will end in great loss, but then the specific came. All right, everybody's going to be saved, just the boat's going to be lost. That's it. You've got the specifics. You may perceive some things in the Spirit, and as time goes on, maybe it's not time for the rest of it to come out yet, but when time goes on and you've got it, the specifics, now you know what to do. But as we go through the Word of God on our own, we need to begin to look where are the different prayers? How are they being used? What can I learn from this situation as Jesus used it? As Paul used it? As Abraham? The different ones that came on. How were they using prayer? What kind of prayer was this? And you may even find, come and find some other kinds of tools and prayers that were given for us. Take note of them. Understand them. Walk in them. God has given us all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Father God, we thank you for the help that you give us. For all prayer, there is many kinds. And the, depending upon the situation, the occasion that we are in, may call for this type, may call for that type. But I thank you that we'll know and we'll use the right tool, the right thing. And it will help us, wonderfully help us. Amen. Father, we thank you. Yes. As we have been given the armor of God, we've also been given the all prayer. We're ready for whatever situation. And we are able to walk into a situation to determine what is needed. We don't have to wonder. I can know this calls for a hammer. This calls for a screwdriver. This calls for a drill. This calls for whatever. We'll know. We'll know that that's the best tool. That's the best prayer for this job. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us.